1: Whatever kind of night you're having, start it off right with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. Whether you're mixing up a bullet bourbon old-fashioned for a cozy night in or Kettle One Bloody Mary bar for a birthday brunch, you can get the perfect beer, wine, and spirits for any occasion delivered with Drizzly. So what's it gonna be? Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com to choose your drinks today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations.
2: It's easy to lose sleep,
1: And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started.
0: Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always, by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. We've got a lot to discuss tonight as it relates to early in the Orioles minor league season, as well as the major league season, including... A lot of storylines revolving around pitching, whether that's pitchers moving down from the major leagues to AAA, as was the case with Cole Urban last week, or some minor league pitchers who were off to very hot starts. We're going to cover that tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about how this could affect movement in the farm system over the course of the season. In addition, we're going to get into the hot start that Heston Kershaw is having at AA Bowie as his momentum from late last season in spring training carries over into the regular season. But first, I'll start off with one of the bigger new, news items surrounding the Orioles uh, in the last week, which is the, the motion of Cole Irvin from the majors down to AAA Norfolk. Irvin, as our listeners will recall, was acquired from the Oakland A's in an offseason trade that saw infield prospect Daryl Hernays go to Oakland in the deal. Irvin was supposed to be a guy that would come in, stabilize the rotation, and eat innings. And over his first three starts, He really struggled, 12 and two-thirds innings pits, posting a 10.66 ERA and an uncharacteristically high eight walks, which comes out to a walk per nine innings rate of 5.7 against 13 strikeouts. Irvin going down to Norfolk on what looks like a temporary basis as he has some things to work on. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you here you kind of knew that the Orioles were going to need to make a move here soon. Kyle Bradish is expected to come off the IL officially, perhaps tomorrow for a start against the nationals. But the fact that Irvin went down while his numbers for, from a number standpoint was not a surprise. The fact that he was one of your big acquisitions of the offseason did make this an interesting development. Yeah.
1: Yes. And I, I completely understood why they did it and figured at some point that could be a real possibility if he wasn't on his a game to be honest like the beginning of his Orioles career could not have started any worse but having the options I think is one thing that made him so attractive to the Orioles and it's not like he's the the type of pitcher who I think the Orioles said hey look at this guy we're gonna make him a high strikeout pitcher we're gonna drastically change who he is I think he is who he is and the Orioles viewed him as Reviewed that team control that he has, the versatility he has when it comes to the minor league options. I think all of that played a major role into you know bringing him into the organization. Um, the fact that being a fly ball pitch to contact pitcher at Camden Yards isn't a death blow to pitchers anymore. This is still a younger guy who you can bring in and tweak. And unfortunately, you're just walking a ton of guys. I was looking at comparing some of his numbers earlier today. He did have a thirteen percent. He's got thirteen percent walk rate in the major leagues right now. That was after a 55 and a 4.9% walk rate the last two years. First strike percentage was only 52%, which was awful compared to 65%, 66% he was doing in previous years. Just when he was throwing pitches in the zone, batters were making an absorbent amount of contact against him, like 92%, 93%. And it just not good. When he doesn't have that control, everything else is falling apart. I'm fine with sending him down to Norfolk. He's pitching right now. I watched the first couple innings. He was okay. But, like, send him to Norfolk. Let him work with Justin Ramsey. Let him assimilate a little more. And then bring him back up in a couple of weeks and see what happens. But it's not like the trade's done. The A's won the trade. It's just he's a young guy. He's got options. This is what's going to happen.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love Daryl Hernandez, but don't look at his numbers so far on the early <laughs> season either. Um, no, this makes a lot of sense to me because – from what I understand, he's actually has tweaked some of his off-speed pitches and to improve the movement profiles. And apparently, the, the it is like the quality of the pitches is improved. But apparently, he's just not hitting the spots that he was hitting with them the past couple of years. And he's either missing entirely or leaving it too much in the middle of the plate, and it's getting hammered. And even his velocity is up a tiny bit. So I, I just think it's you know he's getting comfortable with the new coaches. They're making some changes. He's just got to get comfortable with them. And there's no one better to work with on that than just, well, other than Chris Holt than Justin Ramsey and AAA. So, yeah, I mean, if he's your sixth starter, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's This This is a guy who's throwing like 180 innings around the last couple of years with an ERA in the mid to upper threes. I, I don't think he's like collapsed all of a sudden. I don't think he's like a completely different pitcher. So, yeah, set him down there, Dean Kramer who knew just got to face the washington nationals and and you improve your uh your numbers on the season but he's pumping 97 but if he continues to falter then Irvin's right there to come right back up if needed same with Dale hall a lot of options spencer watkins uh former guest of the show but yeah i mean it's cool like connor said on locked on orioles today that this just shows that the orioles really do care about winning right now and if you're not going to get the job done then go figure it out in triple a and come back when when you can help the team win. What
0: that move doesn't mean, at least for the here and now, is that Grayson Rodriguez is going back to AAA Norfolk. We, There had been a lot of question marks about this, about whether or not Rodriguez was going to be a short-term filler for Kyle Bradish, which seemed unlikely, but was still speculated, especially if he couldn't pitch well out of the gate. And so far, the results from Rodriguez have been interesting, to say the least. He has had rough starts in each of his first three, Outings so far or excuse me rough innings in each of his first three starts so far and in two of those games They were in the first inning. However, there's still some very encouraging numbers including 19 strikeouts in 14 to third innings pits And while he does have seven walks most of them came in one outing against oakland in his other two outings He's actually done a very good job of compounding the strike zone and not uh getting behind him a lot throwing a lot of strikes, which is Good to see from a young pitcher. So, Bob, we're only three starts in. You're looking at a small sample size. With that said, from what you're seeing with Rodriguez right now, do you think he's going to stick in the majors for the rest of the year?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, especially because since he was brought up before the first 20 days of the season, he was able to get that Major League service time for his AAA time, and he also can still get a draft pick if he finishes in the What, first or second in the rookie of the year? So that's a bonus and a reason to keep him up. Also, Zach, I think you actually predicted this like nail on the head when we did our predictions, either in the offseason or preseason. Like, he's the rookie pitcher going through his lumps, and he's still looking pretty good most of the time. And of course, everyone's going to freak out. Oh, he's a bust. No, he's just going to take time to learn. This is what happens to major league pitchers. I don't care how good you are. Look at Kyle Bradish last year, first half versus second half and Grayson's even, he's averaging 97 miles per hour in his fastball. We saw the change-up finally arrive in the, the last game against the White Sox. I think he's actually looked better each time out. Obviously, a lot of nerves in that first game against the Rangers in his home state. Shut them out in the, the four innings, uh, second through fifth. And the A's, he was like 1-2 counts, oh, two 2 counts. He was so close to having just a dominant performance, and it just, you know, he couldn't finish him away, and then I thought he looked great against the White Sox first inning, be damned. I mean, the changeup was absolutely disgusting. The fastball was where he wanted it. He can still refine these pitches, but he has a 6.91 ERA, but an expected ERA of 4.74, a FIP of 3.95, and an XFIP of 3.25. So not worried at all. Just keep throwing him out there. Let him learn at the major league level. He's learned everything he needs to in the minor leagues. This is just this is how you get better is pitching in the majors.
1: Amen. I mean, First of all, like I, I didn't watch Sunday start live because with the delay, I think all the minor league games were over. So it was like, all right, it's getting late. Sunday, family dinner time. Uh, I'm going to go. I'll watch it Monday morning on replay when, when I get to work. But I was checking in on Twitter throughout that start, and I could not tell if Grayson Rodriguez was pitching or Dan Straley had returned and was back on the map. Like, Twitter was falling apart. The hot takes were flying. I saw a lot of people use the term, goofy takes Uh, I'll repeat that since we're a family-friendly show Uh, a lot of goofy takes from people on Twitter like no filter I get that's what Twitter's for but this is Grayson Rodriguez people like this regime developed him into the top pitching prospect in baseball and he got that ranking for many many reasons and like Bob mentioned he is a rookie with three major league appearances under his belt now and that outing on Sunday even came on the road in the cold I don't even was that like 30 something degrees during that game. It's raining
2: 15 mile an hour winds.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like a lengthy rain delay out on top of that. So yeah, he got beat around, but he found his groove. I think honestly, if he sticks in this rotation for the rest of the year, which he should like, there are going to be times where full outings where he's probably going to get beaten down on multiple occasions because he is a rookie. But all I care about is, is he improving throughout the year? And on Sunday, you mentioned the changeup, I saw a couple like, you guys should have listened to Keith Law like a little bit more. Those takes went pretty ice cold like immediately on Sunday because that changeup, like you mentioned, you compare the three games, the first three outings, the changeup had 29 inches of vertical break to 32 inches, then to 35 inches. And that correlated with one whiff to two whiffs to eight whiffs on just that pitch alone. Like, yeah.
2: yeah, if uh, if that's a batting <laughs> practice fastball, then the Herman Derby would be a lot more boring. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, yes, he did have four hard hit balls as well in that first inning, but then over the the final four innings, he only allowed four hard four hard hit balls. So, like, yeah, is the command crisp? No. Like, there's the first inning thing. Does that need to be worked out? Absolutely. There are issues, but he is a rookie. I just think it's funny how to see people outside Orioles fandom will watch him pitch and be like, oh yes, he's developing into like this top of the rotation arm. The Orioles need all the data looks great. This looks good. This looks good. And then when I'm following there's like so many Orioles fans watching him. It's like bust. He sucks. We did it again. This organization just can't develop pitching prospects. Like he's a rookie chill. Like, but yeah, should he be in this rotation for the rest of the year? Absolutely. Because I mean, maybe you got to, Aaron Judge has to take you deep 450 feet for you to learn how to pitch to Aaron Judge. Like, that's just going to happen. But you're not going to learn by blowing by 99-mile-hour fastballs past some bum named Tim Beckham down at the Harbor Park. Like, you're not going to get better by doing that. So keep him in the rotation. Grayson looks great. Fantastic outing. I'm excited to keep watching this guy pitch.
0: Well, I think what we're seeing in play here is kind of the selfies between a bad major league lineup and a typical triple a lineup and how that can differ. I was in attendance for the Oakland start. And the one thing that the A's did really well was they adjusted after that first time through the order. And it got to the point where Rodriguez was struggling to find the outfits. Bob mentioned earlier, a lot of one, two counts in that where he would end up throwing a lot of pitches because guys would just start fouling stuff off. That's the kind of adjustment that's going to come into play. Um, you know, when you're facing major league hitters, For the first time, the one thing that stood out to me with him is that when I look at a young pitcher, especially over their first five, 10 starts, I don't pay that much attention to walk rate because I just guess that that is going to go up. They're adjusting to the major leagues. They're facing more advanced competition. And let's face it, they're probably not getting the same borderline pitches that they got in AAA. That probably comes later on. But up front, they're not going to get that. And when you consider that Rodriguez has had seven walks so far and that four of them came that outing against Oakland, where he was ahead in the count a lot, that's actually a very good sign for me for his command. Uh, It's just a matter of, I think, figuring out how to mix his pitches in a little bit better. And whatever it is that he has to do in the first inning is obviously something that has to be worked out. Maybe that's changing something in his bullpen. I don't really know, but it's clear that some of his – secondaries especially the changeup, could be a little bit more effective in the first inning but everything that i'm seeing so far from him kind of leads me to believe that when he is at his best this season he is going to be the orioles best starting pitcher i, I don't really think there's any question about that.
2: yeah oh yeah easily i mean you can see there's plus at least plus fastball plus plus change up plus slider potentially you know, probably fringe average curveball. The cutter looks like it has the potential to be plus. I think that's actually a, a, uh underrated pitch right now. It seemed to be working for him from time to time. He went to it a lot, I think, was it uh, against Chicago? One of those games. Um, yeah, I think he's just going to get better as the season goes on. To me, he's, along with Gunnar Henderson, how we talk, you know, he's got the growth mindset. He's like, a, you know, it doesn't take failure lightly. He's not going to quit when he doesn't succeed. It's going to make him want to succeed more. I think Grayson has the same type of mindset, same with the O'Hall. actually. actually. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. And look at – I know this has been going around too. Look at Clayton Kershaw, his rookie year. Look at Corbin Burns, his first season and a half. I mean, this is just – stuff doesn't mean as much. When you get to the major leagues, you got to learn to pitch, and Grayson's going to do that, no problem.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, talking about Grayson Rodriguez and like Gunnar Henderson, the whole thing, I mean, Jared Kelnick is one of the best hitters in baseball right now. If he can turn things around, uh, I'm not worried about anybody. But uh, yeah, like I pulled up Grayson's projections here. I mean, you look at the Zips projections on fan graphs. I mean, he's pacing. It's only three starts. I know, I know that. But I mean, he's pacing to pitch to those projections, like 11 strikeouts per game. He's at 11.93. I imagine those probably do come down a little bit, stabilize a little bit. The walks zips at him at 2.9. He's at 4.4. Obviously, I think those are going to come down as well, as we talked about. He gets that command control under like smoothed out. Everything else will fall into place a little bit. ERA of 4.07 zips projected ERA. The expected ERA right now is 4.74.2 war already, projected for 1.3 to 2.0 war. Like he's on he's doing everything right at this point right now. So not worried at all about Grayson.
0: We'll turn our attention now to D.L. Hall, who we really have not had a chance to talk about this season. Hall is three starts into the season down at AAA Norfolk, and so far there's been some pretty interesting results from him and kind of what you would see in a typical D.L. Hall start. His first two outings, he had a combined 12-4 to strikeout-to-walk ratio over seven-and-a-third innings pits. Those were both against Gwinnett, the Braves' AAA affiliate. In his most recent outing at Nashville, he allowed two runs on two hits with three walks and as many strikeouts and four innings pits. It took him 89 pitches to get through four. So that efficiency issue coming back into play, a little bit for him. But the stuff has looked good so far, especially when you consider that he's coming off a shortened spring training and a spring training of a shortened enough that it probably cost him a legitimate shot at making the rotation out of camp as he really didn't get going until about mid March. So Nick, I'll just start with your thoughts here on what we've seen from Hall at AAA to this point, And where do you see him fitting into the Orioles plans this season, as far as the major leagues are concerned?
1: It's a very tough question. And one that I honestly keep evolving. My opinion keeps evolving. We'll say on DL Hall, because Over the offseason, I'm like, there's no reason him or Grayson Rodriguez should pitch another game in Norfolk, but obviously Hall had the injury to miss that big chunk of spring training, so you understand why he started the year back in Norfolk. Stretch him out, keep him as a starter, fine with that. I still think you keep him in Norfolk's rotation for a couple more weeks, half the season at least, whatever it takes to see if something really starts to click for him. But honestly, I am feeling more confident in Hall's ability to make it as a like a big impact reliever. Like, honestly, not just like, well, he could fit in the bullpen. The stuff could translate. I think it will translate very well in the bullpen at this point. Like, point. Out, look again at what he did over his last seven outings last year in the big leagues. After he got lit up for three runs on four hits and ju- recorded just one out, he had seven relief outings, seven and two-thirds innings, one run, two walks, nine strikeouts. That's pretty dominant. And you look at what he did. He's doing it in Norfolk right now. The final stat lines aren't great, especially that first outing. And you saw a lot of the comments like that's, that's the same deal." Hall, 80 pitches, 75 pitches just to get through three innings. Yes, but you look at like the swing and miss stuff. He had 15 whiffs that first start. The next outing, he had another six strikeouts, another 12 whiffs, just three hard hit balls, four hard hit balls total, I think, in his first two outings. I think, you know what? If, yeah, he's still requiring 80 pitches to go through four innings, you bring him up and you put him in the bullpen because he's going to be that swing and miss reliever for you. You don't have to worry about the control as much, and I think he can be extremely effective in that role. Bring him up around like the trade deadline closer to the end of the year. How many teams unload the farm system for an impact reliever like that at the trade deadline to push them over? D.L. Hall could be that guy for the Orioles if it doesn't end up clicking for him as a starter, so... I I know the final lines aren't super inspiring if you're just box score watching, but if you're looking at like the swing and miss stuff, the hard hit stuff, those numbers look fantastic. So,
2: yeah, and to be fair to Hall, what he appeared in what two maybe three spring training games before the season yeah. started between the majors and the minors, um, he's he's still getting built up. He's still getting into in game shape. Basically, this is almost like. I feel like his first three starts are like his last three spring training starts. And now that he's up to the 90-pitcher most mark, let's see what he can do over the next few weeks. And like Nick said, that was going to be my point exactly. Even if he's just start him every game until he goes on a hot streak and he goes on a run or something clicks, or someone gets hurt and he just gets a shot in the rotation. But if that never happens, it's going to be very – tempting to just bring him up especially if the bullpen continues to struggle a little bit like you don't need to trade a Jordan Westberg for a uh, half a year rental of a elite bullpen arm you bring up D.L. Hall and he's in your bullpen for the next six years so or even for this year and then you can try him as a starter again next year I mean there's no rush he's still young the the arm talent is there it's just when you have an arm like that and the depth of starting pitchers that the Orioles have. It's just a luxury at this point. It's either going to be a Josh Hader or it's going to be a Blake Snell or better, but I have no doubt that he's going to be a key part to this pitching staff for the next rest of this decade, basically.
0: Yeah. I think in the short term, Hall is really not major league ready because as Bob said, he needs to be stretched out a bit. And if you're looking at him as a possible starter, he would not solve what has really been the, Biggest problem that this Orioles rotation Has had which is not going deep in the games I think that we know even in his best D.L. Hall is not a guy At least that I look at and think Is going to go deep in the games He's a guy that if you get five Five plus really dominant innings out of You're satisfied with that and you turn the game over To the bullpen So Hall is not going to solve that problem for the Orioles Right now Which really leads me to one of two schools of thought Either you leave him down in A For you know half a season, if not longer, stretch him out. You let him get some spot starts down the stretch, maybe work him in the bullpen a little bit and look for that full build up to the rotation in 2024. Or you go with the scenario that Nick mentioned, you bring him up and you put him in the bullpen. I'll admit that coming out of spring training, that was not one that I was particularly thrilled with only because I was thinking ahead to 2024 and wondering, well, if you put him in the bullpen all year, now you're going to, have to stretch him out next year. And you have another year where you've got a guy who's got a lively arm, who can bring a lot to your rotation, whose innings you're going to have to manage carefully because you're moving him out of the bullpen. So you had Tyler Wells last year, Grayson Rodriguez this year, then D.L. Hall in 2024. But as I start to think about it more, maybe trying him in a relief role later this year does make sense, especially because we know that bullpen – arms come at a premium at the deadline. That is when teams overpay for relief help. And you know the teams that have, you know, one or two good relievers, but they're struggling, they're out of contention, are going to want to dip into this Orioles farm system. And if D.L. Hall can sort of, and I don't, I'll say this, I there's one thing I don't think Michael Elias is going to be desperate for in terms of trading a lot of prospects at the deadline, it's going to be relievers but it would lower the desperation a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it's just my thinking too changing on DL Hall a little bit is just it's that it's that performance from the bullpen already. I, I don't think it's as drastically bad as some people make it out to be, but eventually if the rotation keeps pitching like this and this bullpen keeps getting worked like this, yeah, you know, that bullpen is they're going to get exhausted uh, sooner rather than later. And then, you know, Michael Givens, we haven't seen him Back on the field in an Orioles uniform yet in a regular season game. He should be back soon, but what if he can't be that good insurance policy that you were hoping he would be in case of other regression? Like, what if he can't be that uh, and he struggles? What if we Dylan Tate's out longer than expected? He comes back or finds out he's not fully healthy and he's back on the IL or, you know, Ciano Perez. What if he just completely collapses this year, whatever it may be? Because of all of that, I think. You've got DL Hall sitting right there in Norfolk. You can, he is a luxury, like you mentioned. You can, he can either keep stretching him out as a starter, or we know because he's already done it. We know if worse comes to worse and this bullpen needs a big time injection of energy, just bring up DL Hall and plug him in, and he's hes ready to go for you. So
2: he could learn under Danny Kalum that lights out lefty, <laughs> he could learn right from him and how to do it.
0: I'm going to throw another name into this mix before we start focusing more broadly on the farm system. And that's um, Noah DeNoyer already on the 40 man roster, 11 strikeouts through his first 10 innings at Norfolk against just three walks, a 1.8 ERA in that stretch. Here's someone who can do a little bit of both for you. He could be a short inning guy that gets you outs in high leverage situations, or he could be that long man option you go to for bulk innings and Hopefully, it would kind of be like Austin awesome Booth without all the home runs in the first inning.
2: Yeah, it was really cool to see Denoyer get that shot to start, and then just put up five shutout innings. That was that was awesome to see. And uh, clearly, this is a guy that the organization believes in. He was a project of theirs from that you know not getting selected after the 2019 draft, and they've he, and between his own skills and and their development, he has become one of the best arms in the system and he's a guy that yeah like you said could be an awesome vote where he, he could start and he could be successful but he could also be a very nice to have multi-inning relief arm. it's been great to see it's nice to get the stack numbers on him as well we need that for the entire minor leagues it's very helpful in our evaluations of these players and uh, hasn't done nothing but make me like noah denoyer even more
1: yeah, the the no walks was huge and i think we talked a little bit last week because we recorded during the Wednesday, I think last week too. So they were, Norfolk was already facing Nashville and talked about that Nashville lineup has guys like uh, Keston Hira, uh, South Raelic. I mean, it's got some good veterans, a lot of guys with major league experience and a good mix of good young top prospects for Milwaukee. And for Denoia to step in there and kind of this unplanned start, I'm sure he was probably going to pitch that day, but to step in as a starter for a five shutout innings, a 40% called strike plus whiff percentage, that's huge. Uh, when you're looking at like 30% being the baseline, 40 percent's huge. Yeah, that, that was the big issue. I remember talking very early on in DeNoyer's career when we first started this podcast about, well, if he can control the walks, he can hone those in, DeNoyer's going to be a guy. And he did. He immediately honed in those walks. That hasn't been an issue for him as he's moved up the ladder. So normally, you, you know, you see fewer strikeouts, more walks from guys. Denoyer, you're seeing better and better control and command out of him. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I just think he's going to end up being kind of like that, uh, like a Tyler Wells type guy for the Orioles, and when he once he comes up,
0: we have seen a lot of really dominant pitching performances over the first two two weeks or so of this season at the lower levels of the minor leagues as well as up at the higher levels like Norfolk. So, we're going to take a little bit of time tonight to talk about those. I'm going to start with Bob here. When you look up and down the system right now, you see guys like Chase McDermott, Trace Bright, Gene Pentel, Drew Rahm off to really good starts. Uh, What has stood out to you or who has stood out to you so far?
2: All of them. I mean, it's been so awesome to watch just night in and night out. It's like someone else is just the star of the show. And since we're talking about stars, let's go Trace Bright first because, man... (laughs) He is something else right now. He's clearly too good for high A high A ball. He's got a 1.13 ERA and a 1.11 XFIP and a 0. 0.30 FIP. Uh, striking out, you know, just 54.5% of batters, only walking 6.1%. It's just silly. <laughs> um, yeah, fantastic. Gene Pinto, he's trying to beat Bright up to AA Bowie, repeating the level and just not you know letting it get him down he's again only walking three batters struck out 14 it's just like I know Aberdeen's a pitcher's park but they haven't they've played a series on the road as well and that Hudson Valley team was an offensive juggernaut and these guys were like the only two that could hold their own against that competition so those two guys in Aberdeen have, have been a highlight of my uh my early season watching
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about Chase Bright for a little bit. And that that start specifically, you mentioned the 54.5% strikeout. He's got through two starts, which is just insane. But I went back that start against Hudson Valley the other day, it rained the entire time, first and foremost, from start to finish, it was pouring down rain. Uh, And yet he still had command of all four of his pitches. And I sat there and got to watch the fastball was like 91 93 uh curveball's like mid 70s curveball it's one of the more beautiful pitches in the entire organization uh but then you watch Chase I watched Chase McDermott before we hopped on and that curveball is just ugh, perfection um but Bright's changeup looked good it was you know a harder changeup to start like 86 87 miles an hour and then you saw it cool off a little bit but it's got good movement slider as well got some swing and miss with the slider that's clearly like his fourth best offering but being in this slider sweeper revolution right now and the Orioles track record of turning guys into like big time slider guys at the major league level. And then just thinking about prospects like last year, Justin Armbruster, Carlos Devere, Noah DeNoyer, all those guys took big jumps with their slider. If you can take Bright's slider and make that a weapon, trace bright just becomes like that much more intriguing. I, I just, yeah. And you look at FanGraphs; he's got like a 30 grade command right now, 40 future value grade command. I didn't I haven't seen that so far um, at all. He's pitching he's pitching the lights out right now. So he's he's living up to every bit of hype that was placed on him this offseason.
0: One yeah. thing that stood out to me, focusing on his command, is in that start against Hudson Valley, he was really putting the fastball wherever he wanted to put it. He could work both sides of the plate really well. That allowed him to complement the secondaries, which, as you said, Nick, look really sharp. And if there's one pitch that I think this organization knows how to teach and can teach it's that slider sweeper combination. So even if you do have a little bit of concerns about, you know, what if hitters start catching up to that slider, or what if he's just locating it uncharacteristically well in his first two outings, that's probably part of the development plan that the Orioles have for him. And when you look at everything else, it just looks so good. And for fastball velocity, again, kind of looking early in the year, I don't, pay too much attention or i'm not too worried about that unless the guy is way down so there's probably reason to believe there's a little bit more left in the tank there from him velocity wise and what the gun on hudson valley speed showed him happen
2: yeah absolutely six four listed at 200 pounds there's definitely a tick or two that can be added there but clearly the the qualities are there the the metrics as far as release point and all that inverted break is probably good. And if there's one organization where your worst two pitches are going to be slider and changeup, I think the Orioles is where you want to be. You know, they've taught some people some changeups. That sweeper is going in there. They're even like feel like adding cutters to certain people, so they'll mess around and see between the regular slider, the sweeper, and the and the cutter, which would be the best weapon for him to have, and maybe all three of them. But uh, it's if he's going to be able to command his pitches the way he has and there's only, you know, further thing, like he's only going to go up. Like the, if your command is the last thing to go. So if you have that, they can tweak the pitches and, and make them a little bit better and uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be bright.
1: Yeah, he's, he's been a lot of fun. I do want to sticking with Aberdeen though, and his teammate there, Gene Pinto, I thought it was pretty funny the, the broadcast, the Hudson Valley broadcast mentioned this at some point in that outing uh, that they're like, I don't know if he's throwing a fastball harder than 90 miles an hour. And to be honest, I don't know if he did hit 90 in that outing. It was just slider, 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 change up, slider, slider, change up. But it was working like the guys pitched nine and a third innings already this year. He has 14 strikeouts, two earned runs, three walks. And really the only issue last year was the walks. And he's not doing that so far, uh, and he's faced two really good teams. So, I, I'm at this point with Gene Pinto. I just wanted to get promoted to Bowie. I want to see what that stuff looks like against Double A competition. And considering he spent all year last year at High A and he started out so hot already, I would I could see him being one of the first bigger promotions we see this season. And I'm excited to see what he can do because it's going to be a big jump for him, but even if even if he is just a relief prospect i i think he's a super exciting uh relief prospect in system. the system that the king is back basically is what i'm trying to say
2: yeah and we have seen his velocity or at least i've seen it as high as 93 before so mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that he, he does have these like these laws and velocity and consistency but at the same time that slider changeup combination is just something else and If he's not walking batters, that alone will be he'll be a multi-inning weapon at the major league level in a couple of years.
0: Agree. And if um, you're looking for an arm that could uh, really raise his stock at Bowie right now, Chase McDermott, um, who had what would be his quote unquote worst outing of the season just before we recorded here on Tuesday night, four and a third innings pitch against Altoona allows one earned or two runs, one earned on two hits. Three walks against five strikeouts, but that now gives him a .68 ERA on the year in 13 to third innings pitch with 17 strikeouts in that span. As Nick mentioned, the curveball right now looks really good for McDermott, and you pair that with that high fastball velocity he always has and that hoppy fastball that he has. That has been part of the reason why he's been so successful to this point. So, Bob, I'll let you start with this one. We had McDermott on back in spring training, and he talked about some of the adjustments he was making, including ditching the change up for the splitter, and the fact that this was really the first extended run that he had had with the Orioles kind of getting into their pitching program over the offseason and spring training. Do you think there's signs of really tangible adjustments being made right now?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You can just tell he's more in control. Maybe the command isn't, you know, spot on, but everything's around the strike zone. And the stuff is so good that that's all he needs to do is just have it be around the strike zone. It's like Felix Bautista. He kind of pumps the strike zone, but it's not like he's spotting his command. He's just around the strike zone. And the stuff is so good that hitters can't hit it when it's around the strike zone. And I feel like McDermott's kind of similar in that regard. And... The movement on his pitches, fastball, changeup, curveball, slider, whatever, it's its stupid. It it makes no sense. And uh, even his xFIP, fip 1.60, 2.37, before today's start, it's for real. And uh, I honestly, I never thought that he would uh, fix the command issue or control issue uh, this quickly. So if that's going to be the case, then he's another relief option, honestly, for the end of this year, if the Orioles need it.
1: Yeah, he did. I think it was the first pitch of the game tonight where that exploding fastball almost exploded onto a guy's face. And that was <laughs> scared me a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he I don't think he really had any other pitches after that that were like, well, um, he looks much more poised this year. And I think I'll say right now through three starts, the strikeout stuff is definitely there. Uh, I mean, he is who, who did what did Vivit call him? Uh Chase McStrikeouts Uh, he's living up to that nickname uh, for sure if anything so far I would say I mean I've said this before I've been a big Chase McDermott guy since his days at Ball State watched him a lot in college but even coming into this year I would have said yeah he's probably more reliever and honestly I'd be fine if you stick him in as a reliever and bullpen already and buoy already and he could be literally be up in the major leagues by the end of this year but now I feel a lot more confident in his ability to stick as a starter. Uh, and that that is truly exciting. As long as that command holds, which right now it looks like it is, as long as that command holds, you've got another really intriguing pitching prospect, him and his teammate down there in Bowie, Cade Povich. Cade Povich really turned it around in his second outing. I didn't get to watch that one, but I did see the thing that stuck out to me about Povich's second start Uh, I don't know how many strikeouts he had, strikeouts to walks. I don't have that in front of me. But I do have he threw 79 pitches and 50 of those were for strikes. So clearly he pounded the strike zone, got a lot of swing and miss. I think both of these guys are going to be under a pretty big microscope with each start they make this year. And so far, they're impressing pretty well.
0: Yeah, that's a good segue over to Povitz and some of the dominant performances we saw over the last week from him and Drew Rahm. I'll start with Povitz, though. He delivered five shutout innings and a win on April 15th over Akron, striking out seven batters in that span while walking just two. And that came off of a start at Hartford that was not very good, where he only went three innings, allowing two runs on four hits with three walks and three strikeouts on 63 pitches. Uh, that was The first outing was kind of what we saw from Povitz at the end of last year, where it looked like the long season was finally starting to catch up to him. But then the second start basically made the first start look like a fluke. And I'm pretty hopeful right now that the second start is more characteristic of what we're going to get from him at Bowie this year. And one of the things I think makes him such a good prospect is he's got, what, five or six pitches that he can throw. And when he's able to throw even just half of them for strikes, he's at a big advantage over the hitters.
2: Yeah. He's like a guy that he doesn't need every pitch to be working. Like this last start, it was the curveball. The curveball was just on fire, on point, and he went to it and it worked. So, you know, if he's got his fastball, he can either have his changeup, his curveball, his slider. If one of those is working to go with his fastball and he can spot it pretty well, despite – I feel like, you know, he's walked five batters already so far, but I feel like his – his command is better than that. I have no issues about if he's going to walk too many guys. Um, but, yeah, he's just, like, so savvy out there, and the stuff is good to go with it. So it's like if you compare it with Drew Rahman, and great start by him to the season as well, he's been really, really in control of what he wants to do out there. But Povich is like Rom if he had a tick or two better stuff quality to all his pitches
1: yeah I mean, like i said i didn't get to watch his second outing but i know the first one i don't know if it was like pr- first start you know jitters whatever it was the, the control just wasn't there i think he three of those five walks came in that first start so clearly clean it up in the second outing um like i said the 79 pitches 50 strikes pounding the strike zone in that start that's that's good if you can pound the strike zone and get the whiffs that's the good sign everything else will fall into place for for povich for sure it's just We've been such big proponents of the pitching in this system, and we get comments all the time about how these guys aren't that good. The pitching depth isn't there, and yeah, you may not have the Grayson, Ryder guys, DL Hall, ceiling type guys in this system per se. Povich may be one of those, uh, but you've got a big collection of viable pitching prospects in the system now, and you're starting to see everything that was talked about them this off season. Not by us, not by the organization, but by you know baseball America, by fan graphs, a lot of the positives that they were pointing out all off season with some of these guys, they're showing it this year. They're they're noticeably improving on whether it's certain pitches, their demeanor, pounding the strikes on whatever it is. Each guy you can point to, they're doing this, this, and this better. This is probably the the coolest storyline of the season so far down the minor leagues one of maybe the next guy we talk about and then the final segment's the best storyline but this is one of the better storylines in all of the minor leagues so far this year is that the pitching prospects for the orioles are showing up early on and i'm going to do whatever i have to do to make sure that's not
0: jinxed right now because i said that out loud before we move on from pitching entirely i will mention drew rom's performance last week against what as nick mentioned is a pretty tough nashville lineup he had two starts And he went a combined 11 scoreless innings, allowing just five hits with nine strikeouts. He did walk four batters, but three of those four walks came in his final outing, where he was laboring a little bit more than he had, but still managed to pick up the win, which was on Sunday with five shutout innings. One thing that has been interesting about Rom this season is that so far, through three outings, a ground ball percentage is 64%. We know that keeping the ball down is really key for him. That's been a part of his success at prior levels to AAA. So the ground ball rate is there, and it seems like the command maybe still has a little ways to go, but is better than where he left it at the end of last season.
1: Yeah, he he did struggle a little bit when he was up in AAA at the end of last year, but I think that was, again, he had logged, I don't remember how many innings total, He had last year, but I'm pretty sure by the time he got to Norfolk, he was already close to like a career high in innings at that point. Or maybe I'm thinking about somebody else, but still, long season, new baseball and triple A, getting used to all that. This year, he's had three fantastic starts Uh, 11 innings, no runs, five hits, nine strikeouts in two games last week against Nashville. So I think the one thing that I've noticed from Rom is he started out in that his first start of the season, not a lot of swing and miss. Not a lot of strikeouts, but he had a ton of ground ball outs, like you just mentioned. And then the swing and miss improved with each start. This is why it's so cool that we can look at the StatCast data. You see the slider, for instance. The slider was his bread and butter pitch last outing. It had, um, let me see, well, technically a sweeper is what baseball savant uh, types it as a sweeper. He had one whiff on tw- 10 swings in the first start against Nashville, and then he threw it uh, more in the zone in the second start, three whiffs, Lower contact rate against the slider in the zone. I mean, improvements across the board for Drew Rahm. I don't think he's getting called up anytime soon, to be completely honest. He's going to have a lot more to prove down at AAA, but to have a guy like Drew Rom sitting there waiting, he's already on the 40 man. If something drastic does happen at the major league level, you've got a pretty good safety net down there in Drew Rom.
2: Yeah, I mean, he threw 120 innings last year. So if he can get up to 150 this year, I mean, you got two Cole Irvins in AAA. I feel like that's the kind of pitcher Rom can be. I think having him in the same locker room right now is only going to help a guy like Drew Rahm, Irvin, and Rom has better stuff than Irvin. Let's be mm-hmm. let's be honest. But if he can, you know, induce just learn from the sequencing and just mixing pitches and hitting your spots and stuff and get weak contact, then I see no reason to maybe not for the Orioles just because we're going to have a higher threshold of what we want as a competitive team and soon to be powerhouse potentially uh, speak it into existence. Um, You know, I think he's easily a guy that, you know, for the Orioles, he might be a swingman, but for another team, he could easily be like an innings eater, left-handed pitcher for especially a team like the A's where Irvin came from. So yeah, all good things for Ram. I I agree with Nick. I think he might be a guy that's in AAA maybe all season, but it's only going to help him as we get into 2024, if he can get those innings in and that experience against that level of competition, he could get a spot start called up here and there, depending on where the rotation lines up, if an injury happens, or if they need a bullpen arm quickly and a double header per se, he could get, you know, some major league time this year, but I think they're really going to try to gear him up for next year.
0: We'll go down to Bowie now and look at a hitter who is off to a very hot start, and you've been following his trajectory over the last seven months or so. It does not come as a surprise. Heston Kerstad, through his first 10 games at Bowie, hitting 282 with an OPS of over 1,100. That includes a slugging percentage that sits at 718, five home runs, seven RBIs. Of course, that's just 39 at bats, a small sample size. But this is coming off of a spring training where he was certainly one of the Orioles best hitters in major league camp. And he was up most of the month off of performance in the Arizona fall league where he won league MVP on top of a good run over his final weeks at Aberdeen last season, including in the South Atlantic league playoffs. So Bob, I'll start with you here with what you have seen from Kerstad so far over these first 10 games. Is this breakout just going to continue for the rest of the season and onward?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I'm a believer now. He seems fully healthy, fully conditioned, fully back from the myocarditis and up to game speed and physically strong. Clearly had a breakout spring training with the Orioles and has just done nothing but continue that into the double-A season. Just looks really strong. If if you look at his numbers in Aberdeen and Marva. Basically, his walk and strikeout rate are right in between, like right in the middle of where those numbers were. He had a 13% walk rate in Low A, then like an eight and a half in High A. Right now, he's got a 12% uh, strikeout rate, 17% in Low A, 25% in High A. He's at 21%, 21 and a half. Um, so those are great numbers. If he can keep those, his BABIP is not even high. It's like 286, which is I think averages like just over 300. And he's still batting 314 with an ISO of almost 500. Like, the power is stupid. Two doubles, five home runs. And it's easy power, too. And the one thing for me is that he's playing a lot of first base DH. So that tells me we're getting you up to the next level as soon as possible because that's the position where the Orioles are a little bit weakened. And if they think his bat can help that much, get him used to the DH first base. And he has played some outfield, too. But, you know... This is a guy. I feel like they're fast tracking him. Maybe not for this year. Maybe he could get a cup of coffee, coffee ugh, cup of coffee in September for the Orioles. But I think this is the guy they're hoping to get their rookie of the year bonus draft pick in twenty twenty
1: four. Yeah, the power is just so impressive. I mean, just shots to dead center field down there in Bowie, and not just like Prince George's home runs. These are these are deep major league shots. I just think he's giving off. A lot of the same energy that he gave off when he was at Del Marva. And I don't know when he maybe when he got to Aberdeen last year, I don't know if he was just exhausted. I think we talked about this before, how probably mentally, I think he was probably just put through a ringer with I'm back first full season. Now I've got was well, the hamstring injury and gets delayed again. And then he gets challenged for the first time in his career, getting moved up to Aberdeen. And we all saw what happened when he the frustrations finally got the best of him. That was the defining moment so far of his early career because ever since then, he has not stopped hitting the baseball. Uh, so you know, if you need smash anything again, just do it, Heston, because clearly it worked. Um, but I, I was skeptical of the power, right? Just him as a prospect. We didn't know where to rank him. You know, he's outside of our top 10, I think, to begin the season. So he's in the top 10 now because we've got graduations, but we weren't the only ones. I don't think anyone still truly had an idea of where to rank him. But I think we have a better idea now. It's just, he's it's smooth, easy swing. He looks so comfortable. He's stealing bases, too. He is aggressive on the base paths in these games. But I was skeptical about the power just because Arizona's a launching pad. Sarasota's a launching pad. You're like, all right, how legit is all of this? Clearly, it's legit. He's got five home runs already. And actually, I didn't realize this until looking at the his line now. He did go 0-4 strikeout tonight, Tuesday night. But uh no one in Bowie hit the baseball except Kobe Mayo, who drilled a home run because he's Kobe Mayo. But Heston had reached base in every single game this year before tonight. So yeah. We had to wait three years, but it, the wait for Heston Kirst has been well worth it.
0: Yeah, everything that I think he's doing everything you would want him to do so far. That strikeout rate, I think, is perfectly acceptable for someone who hits for power and can draw walks. It's not like he's a two-outcome hitter. And when he puts the ball in play, he hits it hard. Um, He's got very good back control, but it's not a skill that we heard a lot about coming out of college that I think we have seen a little bit of so far this season. Good back control, and that's going to allow him, I think, to kind of avoid being one of those guys where, kind of like Joey Gallo, where we've seen him hit for power, but in a good year, he's going to hit 200. I feel like Kerstad can avoid that.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's a Joey Gallo either. Um, there's not that much swing and miss. Even when he was struggling in Aberdeen, 25% is, again, that's not that high for a power hitter these days. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be a big, a huge strikeout guy struggling to make contact. Yeah, I think maybe around 240, 250 might be a, a low point. But, yeah, Joey Gallo, he's, he's a rare, rare case these days, I feel like.
1: And you mentioned the playing first base and he's also hitting a lead off for Bowie a lot, but playing first base and DHing. So he's, I don't think he's going to be in Bowie for very long. And I think by the Orioles putting him at first base on opening day for Bowie's lineup, I think that told everybody right there, he's not going to be in Bowie for very long. As long as he hits, you're going to move him up to Norfolk. So let's get him comfortable at first base now, because you do have Colton Kowser and Hudson Haskin, RIP Hudson Haskin, come back soon. Um, in that outfield, you want them in the outfield. You need those speedy center field types in the outfield. You've got Das Cameron, who clearly this organization wanted to keep around and wants to see if they something can click for him. Uh, you have no issues benching Das Cameron for us and but still, you want him to get playing time. Kyle Stowers, I think they knew Kyle Stowers is going to find his way back to AAA as well. You want him in the lineup pretty much every night. So if you can put Kerstad at first base DH – and have all these guys in that Norfolk lineup, then yeah, hit in Norfolk. Maybe you are in the major leagues by the end of the year, but I think they're going to be pretty aggressive with Kerstad. If he keeps hitting like this, I could see them actually being very aggressive with Kerstad this year.
0: Completely agree. And we'll move on now to our final segment of the show where we shout out players outside of our top 30 prospect list for something they've done recently, whether it's been a good game, a good week, or it's just something interesting in their stat line that we think is worth bringing up. And I'm going to go ahead and start with Nick on this one.
1: Yes. Who did I put down here for this one? Uh, I went with two guys who have been kind of interesting to watch. One is Douglas Hodo down in Del Marva. He's just had a weird stat line, and I just think it's hilarious. He did go hitless in that shorter opening series they had, but he drew three walks. Like, all right. Then last week he went three for 10 with six walks. So he's got a 563 on base percentage last week alone. All three hits were singles, and he did strike out four times. He has seven strikeouts on the year, but he has a five twenty on base percentage. So I think it's just a fun early season stat line there. We know he's got really good defense. Uh, so you know, Douglas Hodo, another name in that Del Marva lineup that is just continuing to hit extremely well. Uh, and then Easton Lucas, I put Easton Lucas just because I wanted to shout him out. I was gonna go stick with Del Marva and, and stick with Yaki Rivera. My boy, but I wanted to shout out Easton Lucas, give him some airtime because we talked about him so much this winter. And then he goes out, pitches two no hit innings, no walks, four strikeouts for Bowie last week. So on the year, he's got three no hit innings, no walks and six strikeouts. I think it's just a pretty impressive way to start the year for him and always really nice to see pitchers in this system back up any hype like I mentioned earlier that they get from outside evaluators and the talking heads out there.
2: Yeah. the uh, You might want to start calling the Orioles minor league system Mount Olympus just because there's so many walkouts. So many walkouts down there. Um, uh, good choices. Good choices. For me, I went with Steven Acevedo for my hitter. Um, just feel like this is a guy who we've probably been talking about a lot, a little bit of prospect fatigue, and he hasn't even really got uh, through Delmarva yet just because, you know, signed when he was 16. One of the first international signings. Uh, he was late and he's a big, tall guy, six foot four. He's still only 20 years old, which is crazy. Same with like Elio Prado, another super young guy who we traded for in 2019. Not used to that quite yet, but Acevedo who struggled a lot last year when he got to Del Marva, he batted 168 over 147 plate appearances, but then he would do okay. When he went back down to the FCL, his Walk rate was higher in the FCL, strikeout rate significantly lower. well, this year he might be starting to figure something out. Only 32 plate appearances, but he's walking nine and a half percent of the time, only striking out 15 percent of the time. He's batting 429 with a 163 WRC plus, And it's just good to see him get off to a, a good start. You know, you still got to maintain that, but he's also one for three tonight with a double. So continuing. To keep it up, like to see it, and uh, my pitcher is Connor Gillespie, who is like refreshed and a new person now that he's out of Aberdeen. He's in Bowie, and he's striking out more batters than ever. He's walking less than he did last year so far. Um, Got a one point two nine ERA over seven innings, only two games he's played in, but nine strikeouts, only three walks, two point six seven xFIP. Just like to see it. You know, this is probably a guy who. He's 25 years old and he's just getting to double A. So he's probably a relief prospect, if anything. But if he can strike out batters and limit those walks, then there's something there, potentially.
0: Good choices. I'm going to start with my hitter, and that's Adam Retzbach. In three games last week against Hudson Valley, which was a really tough series for the Ironbirds, Retzbach actually performed well at the plate, going four for 12 with three extra bases, including two doubles and a home run. The catching situation at the low a lo- at the A-ball levels this season is so interesting because you have Samuel Basayo and Creed Willms down in Delmarva. And you know that both of those guys can hit. And Willems right now looks like someone who could be one of the first big names to be promoted out of Delmarva. And then you have Arduan. Um, Silas Ardwan is a starter at Aberdeen who we know a lot of people in national media that cover the Orioles are pretty high on because he's a good defender, draws a lot of walks, and the kind of guy who could move quickly if things click for him. And then you have Retzbach, who's a solid defender, but so far making the most of his opportunities at the plate for the Ironbirds, which is good to see. And then for my pitcher, I'm going with Garrett Stallings. Uh, Stallings on Sunday delivered six shutout innings with three strikeouts and just two hits against Akron. So far this season, Stallings has thrown 11 innings, struck out seven batters, walked zero, and allowed just one home run. And that's really the key for Stallings is limiting a home run. I don't want to get too excited about his performance at this point because we've seen a lot of extremes with Garrett Stallings in his two years in the Orioles' farm system now where he can go on a five-start stretch where he looks like one of the worst starting pitchers in this organization. Then he can put together three or four starts where he looks like one of the best and one of the most efficient. But right now, the encouraging sign is that he's not giving up a lot of hard contacts, he's not giving up the long ball, and he's not walking anybody. And if he can continue to do that, maybe he finally gets that shot at AAA. Let's just
2: see how he gets to the month of June this year before we uh, talk him up too much. No, uh, great to see that start. Yeah, picking up where he left off. I think, you know, there's a little bit of a cluster of pitchers in AAA that, you know, there's no rush to get him up there, but I would like to see how he does there. And yeah, I was going to Oh yeah, I was going to say other than the Dodgers, I feel like the Orioles might have some of the best catching group of catching prospects in the game between Basayo, Willems, Retzback, Arduan hit a home run tonight, Maverick Hanley, double A, don't worry about that. <laughs>
1: Counter Pavoloni is just can't stay. He can't stay healthy. Uh, Yeah, Garrett's I think talking about Garrett Stallings for a second. No walks this season. Just I I don't. I still don't know what it is, and we still need to get somebody on. uh, Whoever who's the pitching coach now at Bowie? The old guy left. Um,
2: Forrest Herman. uh,
1: Forrest Herman got the promotion. Yet we need Forrest Herman on this show, and he can give us the lowdown on what exactly is a Garrett Stallings because I do not know. But that was a really fun outing from him. Uh, Yeah, just a good week of pitching down on the farm. Another good week, another good night tonight, too. But Cole Irvin actually finished pretty well against Rochester. And then uh, shout out Dean Kramer, who apparently somebody pissed him off before the game because my man pitched lights out tonight. So uh, hopefully, this is a sign of better things to come for the pitching in Birdland.
2: And if you want to know the true power that 18-year-old Sammy Basayo has. Check out his home run that he hit tonight. It looked like a Chris Davis trying to foul off a pitch on that upper outside part of the zone and he just lined it over the left field wall like it was nothing. Like it was an emergency hack bomb to the opposite field. So, whew, this kid's going to keep getting stronger if he starts turning on the ball frequently. Forget about it.
0: That Del Marva team is fun to watch right now with him and Jackson Holiday and Creed Willems all off to excellent starts, you're certainly going to want to tune into them and, frankly, any of the Orioles affiliates right now because chances are you're going to see pretty good baseball, win or lose, and hopefully things go well on the pitching front up and down the organization from here. Uh, Bob, Nick, and I will be back next week on Monday night to talk more Orioles minor leagues and some major league coverage as well. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at BSL on the Birds and check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well. You'll see not only our coverage Throughout the week of the minor leagues, but also have access to our major league mailbag. We're going to open that up for questions here in the coming days. Remember, if you are a member of our Patreon community, you have not only first dibs on the questions that are asked on the show, but you get first access to the show, that and other daily content. You're also going to want to check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com over the next week. Not only for Orioles covers, but NFL draft covers as well. That is coming up here later this month. And we'll be back next week for Bob Fell and Mick Stevens. This is Zach Sweden. You've been listening to On the Verge. Don't forget to
2: check us out throughout the week on 105.7 as well. <laughs> Goodbye. That'll do it for this week's episode of On the Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.
1: High Five Casino. High Five Casino is the top social casino where the action and real prizes never stop. With all of the hottest games right from Vegas and winnings that go straight to your bank account, get ready for fun spins and big wins. Enjoy free daily rewards and come back to get free coins every four hours. Not just once a day like the others visit h5c.fun that's h the number five c dot and have your high five moment today high five casino high five casino is a social casino only no purchase necessary void where prohibited play responsibly terms and conditions apply visit website for details